Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, I'm here in Barrel. It's a beautiful... Well, actually, no, it's drizzly, but I like it. It's beautiful weather outside, nice and cool after some of our summer weather. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who came to Barrel on the weekend for the launch of my new book, Friday Barnes 12 Collision Course. It actually uh, officially went on sale yesterday, uh, Tuesday, the 27th of February. Uh, so anyone can get a copy now. Uh, I know it's harder if you're overseas, but you can definitely get digital copies and, and the audio book is also available. They got me in to record the audiobook myself, which was so much fun. Oh, and by the way, I get asked all the time, why are there audiobooks of Friday Barnes 1 and Friday Barnes 12, but none of the other 10 books in between? Uh, no, you're not going nuts, and it's not that your your version of Audible or whatever you're listening to has got it listed incorrectly. No, that's just what they got me to do. They got me to do the first one ages ago, and then they didn't get me to do any more. And I don't really understand why, but I don't get to make that decision. So um, that's down to the publishers at Penguin um, here in Australia. And it's not through lack of me badgering them. So if you want to badger them, okay. But uh, I'm sure we'll get there eventually and uh, start recording more of the books in between. Apparently, though, they have to do they do have to let the other authors at Penguin occasionally go in there and record audiobooks, and um, uh, they don't want me to hog it all because I did four audiobooks in 2023, which uh, was more than anybody else. But anyway, let's get into today. I'm going to read to you from the new book because it's super exciting. I'm just going to read the opening couple of chapters. Um, if you want to hear the rest, you can obviously download the audiobook or read it yourself, but maybe in a few weeks or a month or two, I will read you one of the mini mysteries from out of the book as well. But so this week, I'm going to read the first couple of chapters. Next week, as you you may remember from last week, I was explaining, next week's going to be a special episode to celebrate the launch of this book, to celebrate the launch, uh, to celebrate 10 years of Friday Barnes, and also to celebrate four years of this podcast. I'm going to be taking questions. So if you want to ask me a question next week, I'm not going to do a story. Well, I will tell lots of stories because most of my answers will be in story form. But next week, if you email me a question in the next um, seven days uh, at raspratt at nannypiggins.com. So that's raspratt at nannypiggins.com. If you send me an email with your question, um, I'll answer it. I'll try and get through as many as I can anyway next week. And for all those people who are always asking me if I'll give them a shout out on the podcast, and I always feel really mean because I say no, because there's tens of thousands of people listening. And if I started doing shout outs, the whole podcast would just be like three hours of me doing shout outs every week. 
But this is actually, you know, a sly, a cheeky way for you to get a shout out, because if I do answer one of your questions, I will say, oh, I don't know, what's your imaginary name? I'll say, your imaginary name is Roberta from Papua New Guinea has asked me this question. So if you want to hear me say your name, that's the way to get me to do it, is to send me a good question um, in the next week so that I can read them out next week on the podcast. But anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get into it. This week, we're reading from Friday Barnes 12. And so let's start on page one. We'll have a bit of a recap. At the beginning of my books, always recap the last chapter of the, the previous book. So we'll get into it. Page one, previously in Friday Barnes. Friday and Ian were with Uncle Bernie and Agent OKK. they just emerged from a Paris police station after a long day of chasing art thieves when Melanie met up with them. Come on, said Uncle Bernie. All this talk of pizza is making me hungry. I'll take you all out for dinner. Wait right there. A man in a grey suit and two uniformed police officers surged out of the building. The man grabbed Friday by the shoulder. Freitag Barnes, he said. Yes, said Friday. Her birth had been registered in Switzerland, and her father was incompetent, so the German word for Friday, Freitag, was what was written on her birth certificate and passport. We need you to come with us for questioning, said the man. What for? demanded Bernie. I'm not going anywhere, said Friday. She was starting to panic. She did not like the look in the officer's eyes. They were holding back. There was something going on that they wanted to keep from her. The man in the suit nodded to one of the uniformed officers. Then I am arresting you, said the man. Friday gasped. The next moment, the uniformed officer had stepped behind her and snapped handcuffs onto her wrists. What for? repeated Bernie. Conspiracy to commit an act of treason, said the man, and conspiracy to provide military secrets to a hostile regime. You're accusing her of terrorism, cried Ian, incredulously. Not again, moaned Friday. Chapter One. Not today. Everyone started yelling at once. What do you mean, exclaimed Ian. She was exonerated. She's a consultant for Interpol, argued Bernie. Which is why she is so dangerous, countered the man. I'm a senior investigator working with the French National Police. I've been tasked with interviewing her. You people wouldn't know a terrorist if one stuck a bomb up your... Agent Okeke was stabbing her finger in the investigator's face as she screamed this at him in French. I can't do it. I can't do it, muttered Friday. She's been cleared by Interpol, said Bernie. He was getting so agitated he was waving his hands in the investigator's face, trying to emphasise his point. She has level three security clearance. There's been an incident, snapped the investigator. A member of her immediate family has been arrested. Which one? asked Friday. That's classified, said the investigator. What for? asked Bernie. That's also classified, said the investigator. This girl is a known terrorist associate. We have to presume she's involved. She didn't know her university tutor was part of a terrorist sleeper cell, exclaimed Bernie. The investigator shook his head. He wasn't going to be swayed. She can't be allowed to walk the streets while there's a cloud over her head. But it's not forecast to rain today, said Melanie, looking up at the sky. Everyone looked up. They couldn't help themselves. It was such an odd thing to say. What? said the investigator, still looking at the clouds. His mind was on terrorist threats, so his train of thought had gone to acid rain and radiation clouds. Then something metallic clattered to the ground. It had a distinctive heavy sound. Everyone knew, even before looking, that the handcuffs were on the footpath. They were lying next to a twisted paperclip and a small metal shiv. 
Friday Barnes was running across the road. Brakes screeched as motorists tried to avoid hitting her. Then obscenities were being hurled about in French. Some were swearing at Friday, others were swearing at the cars that had stopped suddenly. Quick! Don't let her get away! ordered the investigator. The uniformed officers leapt into the road in pursuit and BAM! They were immediately sent flying by a cyclist. The bicycle hit the first police officer, smashing him into the second police officer, then flipped over and landed on top of both of them. You idiots! yelled the investigator. One of the officers was so tangled in the bicycle frame it was hard to know where his limbs began and the bicycle ended. The other had blood pouring out of his head. Someone call the police! yelled the cyclist. He was lying in the gutter clutching his ribs, but he didn't look too bad. Unlike the police officers, he was wearing a helmet. Oh, they are the police, said Melanie. Then call an ambulance, shouted the cyclist. She's getting away, said the investigator. Friday was not an athletic person, but she really, really did not want to go to jail, so she was highly motivated. In the three seconds it had taken for the police officers to be knocked flying, she had made it all the way across the road and disappeared into an alleyway. The Paris police headquarters was on the left bank, an unreconstructed part of Paris that was a rabbit warren of tiny streets and even tinier alleys. If you wanted to disappear in seconds, this was the ideal place. Friday was gone from sight. Do I have to do everything? demanded the investigator, still yelling at his injured colleagues. Well, so far you've done nothing, Ian pointed out. The investigator glowered, then ran after Friday, although he did have the good sense to look both ways while waving his police badge at the traffic to make sure he wasn't hit himself. Bernie, Melanie, Agent OKK and Ian were left standing on the footpath, looking at the two injured officers and the cyclist. What are we meant to do now? asked Ian. Bernie started to remove his necktie. Apply first aid, I suppose, he said as he crouched down and used his tie as a bandage around the wounded officer's head. You should use that as a tourniquet, said Agent OKK, around his neck. It's not his fault, said Bernie. Stepping in front of a bicycle was, said Agent OKK. We've got to go after Friday and help her, said Ian. He stepped into the road and was narrowly missed by another cyclist. Bouge l'imbécile, yelled the cyclist as he sped past. Bernie grabbed Ian by the shoulder and yanked him back up onto the sidewalk, out of the bike lane. Calm down. Friday will be all right. She's got a better chance of getting away if she's on her own, said Bernie. She's small and good at going unnoticed. The brown cardigan is more effective than military-grade camouflage, agreed Melanie. We can't just leave her out in the city of Paris on her own, said Ian. It's getting dark. She's got nowhere to go, no one to help her. Friday is a genius, said Bernie. She'll figure something out. She's a five-foot-two, fifteen-year-old with non-existent social skills, no money, no phone, in a foreign city on the run from terrorism charges, said Ian. Oh, she's handled worse before, said Melanie. She did four years at Highcrest Academy. She's got survival skills. All right, well, that's the end of Chapter 1, but let's keep reading. Chapter 2. What next? Agent Okeke drove Melanie and Ian back to the Art Institute. Why are we coming back here, asked Ian. Our operation is over. Well, Captain Barnes will be at HQ all night answering questions and trying to get the bottom of these accusations against Friday, said Agent OKK. They would love to grill you two as well, but they can't because you're minors and foreign and they don't have any evidence against you. We should be trying to help Friday, said Ian. There's nothing we can do, said Agent OKK, until she makes contact. You think she will, asked Ian. I wouldn't, said Agent OKK, but she is a child and she seems irrationally fond of you both. If she does make contact, the best way you can help her would be to do nothing. Nothing, said Melanie. That doesn't sound helpful. 
It's not, said Agent Okeke, but it's not unhelpful either. If you try to meet up with her, you'll lead the counter-terrorism investigators straight to her. They'll be watching you, tapping your phones and hacking into your computers. The counter-terrorism unit has the authority to violate anyone's privacy, and they love doing it. They'll be waiting for her to reach out to you. So you're saying, queried Ian, don't try and find her. No, idiot, said Agent OKK. I'm saying when you do try to find her, do it subtly. Will you help us, asked Melanie. I can't. I've just assaulted three fellow officers, said Agent OKK. She'd been a little over-enthusiastic while arresting the art thieves earlier in the day. I can't be seen to aid a fleeing terrorist. But you can. Your kids, you've got nothing to lose. Except spending the rest of our childhoods in juvenile detention facilities, said Ian. Big deal, said Agent OKK. What school if it's not a juvenile detention facility? Everyone has to go to school. Agent OKK pulled up in front of the Art Institute. Ian and Melanie got out. Thanks, said Ian. Whatever, said Agent OKK, before speeding away. She really is warming up to us, said Melanie with a fond smile. What do we do now, asked Ian. Well, I'm going to take a nice long nap, said Melanie. You're kidding, said Ian. Agent OKK just told us the best way to help is to do nothing, said Melanie. Nothing is something I excel at. So you're just going to do as you're told, asked Ian. I do when it was something I was planning to do anyway, said Melanie. Aren't you worried about Friday, asked Ian. Who knows what's happening to her right now? Ian, I know you love Friday, said Melanie, but no one loves her more than me. You're just in love with her. I best friend love her. I spend time with her 24 hours a day. Just not having her here with me makes me uncomfortable. I miss her with every fibre of my body. But making myself sick with worry won't help her. Being well-rested, appropriately dressed, and having a no-limits credit card in my pocket is the best way I can help Friday when we find her. Ian hadn't really thought about how much Friday meant to Melanie. They were both lonely girls in different ways. They'd formed a symbiotic relationship. They were like algae and fungus combining to make lichen. They thrived together, but it was hard for either one of them to cope alone. He realised that Melanie wasn't necessarily as happy and easygoing as she always outwardly appeared to be. He didn't know what to say in response. Melanie just smiled at him, the way he'd seen her smile at her dim-witted big brothers. Good night, she said. She gave Ian a hug, then went inside to walk up the five flights to her dorm room. And that is the end of chapter two. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out what happened, you can buy the book or the audiobook. They're both available now. All right. Well, that's it for this week. And until next time, goodbye.